The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's the best damn day of the NBA season, folks. I know many of you probably aren't even listening to this podcast today, and I don't care. I'm putting it out anyway because this is, in addition to being a really important day just in the grand scheme of things in life, it's MLK Day, but it's also NBA Day. Christmas is also NBA Day, and that's the marquee games. Christmas is the marquee games. MLK Day is just all the games starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time and just running straight through. Everybody's playing, too. Almost. I think it's 14, right? 14 games, maximum, obviously, of 15. The best! Ah, the best! You just get the day going and then boom, whammo! You got games happening right out of the shoot today. I know how I'm wasting my day. And I reckon you guys do as well. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy NBA Today. This is your Monday edition. We've got a reverse chronological weekend lightning round coming up here in a moment. We'll also preview the entire MLK Day slate. I'm your host, Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google Dan from HoopBall. Clarion Call, still out there, folks. If you want to get involved with us over here at HoopBall, give me a shout. We are looking for contributors. The... Uh, Paid operation is on the sales side. If you've got midday availability, hit me up at Dan Vespers on Twitter. We've got sales spots opening up, building out a team that way. In fact, the team is rumbling now, officially started uh, about a week ago, and we'd love to drop you into an already moving machine. Additionally, we've got spots on the blurb shifts. If you want to learn how to write for fantasy, we've got podcast openings as well. Those are contributor spots, so those are a lower-impact spot. Those are the... As far as I'm uh, told, those are the unpaid spots. So if you want to break in, that's the way to do it over on those sides. So hit me up, at, again, at Dan Baspers on Twitter, or you can email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Today is also our weekly newsletter release. If you haven't gotten on that yet, do it. It's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Straight from the mouth of Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox, available no other ways. The only way to get the... Aaron Bruski exclusive information is via the newsletter. Again, that's hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Check that out right now. Let's launch straight into our reverse chronological action here. I think everybody basically knows what's happening at this point, but I wanted to make this show, most of our Monday shows are like 45, 50 minutes long. I want to try to keep this one in the 30 to 35 because some of you are going to be listening first thing Monday morning and you're going to be making lineup decisions based on stuff that I say. You're going to be making pick-up-and-drop stuff. And the game starts so soon that you just don't have the whole day to pour over the podcast. So we'll see if I can actually hold that together. This is going to be real lightning round edition today. We're going to go fast. We're only going to stop for the things that are super relevant. There are some. And I want to whip through some of the other stuff, especially because we're going to be profiling 14 game previews on today's podcast as well. So we've got a lot to get through, and we're going to do it really fast. We'll start with Sunday, work our way backwards. Miami losers at San Antonio. Heat were actually a road favorite in this game. Spurs came back late and won it behind big fourth quarters. LaMarcus Aldridge played well late. Marco Bellinelli actually played well late. And Derek White won the point guard battle. 
But as far as this game overall is concerned, it didn't move the needle even a tiny bit. Duncan Robinson still saw big minutes on the Miami side. Kendrick Nunn, among the young guys, far outplayed both Goran Dragic, who actually had an okay ball game, but again, defensively, he's an issue these days. And then Tyler Hero, who just never really got involved in this one. So, I mean, these those guys we've talked about run a bit hot and cold. Duncan Robinson thought, got his 35 minutes, hit his four three-pointers, got a steal and a block. Everything's cool there. And then Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are your, your obvious decisions. And then on the Spurs side, LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, and in general, DeJounte Murray, although he was not good in this ballgame. Patty Mills was better. Derek White was better. Bellinelli was actually better. But Murray's the one you trust. But again, nothing big in this one, so you rumble along. Indiana, big ball game on the road. Got a win at Denver. No thanks to our guy, Miles Turner, who fouled out in 19 minutes. I mean, this is the, this is the thing that I don't like. Miles Turner's always going to get tasked with the best front court player on the opposing team. So he's going to be constantly dealing with the more defensive, the difficult defensive side, so he doesn't have to worry about things on the other end. Demontis Bonus, meanwhile, he just gets to go to work. It's feasting time. 22-15-10, big ball game, a triple-double for Sabonis, who's playing on the bone bruise. They finally came out and said what it was, and he's been fine lately. Although, you know, it's a weird to complain about a triple-double, but this was actually, by all accounts, kind of an ugly one. Five turnovers, missed a couple free throws, no defensive stats. T.J. Warren was decent. Doug McDermott got hot off the bench, 9 out of 10 shooting. Malcolm Brogdon makes this team tick right now, and we are officially nine days from Victor Oladipo Day. We're counting down the minutes. Anyway, Miles Turner, very much a buy low, has been pretty much all year because he's generally better than people have realized, and this is absolutely a low watermark when Nikola Jokic fouls you out in, six, in, what did I say, 19 minutes. Jokic, 30 points, took 12 free throws. You have an idea of where those came from. 10 boards, 4 assists. He was big. I mean, and then this, you know, you look at this team, and, and it's a whole bunch of backups right now aside from Will Barton because Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Paul Millsap, all out. So the starters included Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, who we've talked about as a nice fill-in, and Monty Morris, who did nothing. And if you're looking at bench guys, there were a lot of Malik Beasley pickups for streaming after one big game, and he was terrible. Really, of the of the backups, Jeremy Grant had a pretty good ball game. He missed a couple of free throws, but overall, 16-5 and five with a steal and a block on only nine shots. That's a good game. Michael Porter Jr. played only 23 minutes in his reserve role, had 10-8 and eight with a couple of steals, which is fine, but not special. I'm in, uh, I'm in some chat threads of people talking about Michael Porter as, like, the second coming right now, and it's not happening this year. I mean, if you can only still push your way to 23 minutes when three starters are down, maybe next year, maybe. But they're going to have to lose some of these guys. You know, we're going to need, who are we going to need gone? backcourt guys I mean this is with the starting point guard and starting I guess we'll call Gary Harris starting shooting guard out so it's a big jump up we're gonna need Beasley and or Torrey Craig to basically be gone and then you're probably gonna need Gary Harris and or Will Barton to be gone although that's less mandatory so I'm not nearly as high on Michael Porter Jr. as everybody else is at least not for this year maybe next year maybe I mean, I give that a hard maybe right now. And he's owned, I mean, my leagues, he's owned in every, he's 55-0% owned in Yahoo leagues right now. That's the craziest, I'm sorry, people, that is a little bit silly. Don't try to tell me it's because of the streaming stuff. 
I know he had 18, 10, and 5 with a couple of steals in that overtime game where, again, half the team has basically been dead. As these guys come back, his minutes are going to fall precipitously. And I know everybody's like, Michael Malone said 25 minutes. Yeah, he said that, and then he didn't play 25 minutes in any of his next seven games before all of the starters went down simultaneously. There aren't enough minutes, guys. It's just a math game at this point. He's got a nice fantasy stat set. I will definitely give you that. As keeper dynasty t- stuff goes, there's certainly some in- there's intrigue there. Because right now he's getting points, boards, steals, no turnovers, and he's doing it on a high percentage. So there's there's obviously something there. And as a streamer goes, yeah, of course. But if you're trying to convince me that the 50% ownership is stream-related, I'm not buying it. So just be aware that this is not going to last the rest of the year. I can tell you that definitively. Short-term, yes. Longer-term, actually probably. Middle-term, no. When I say middle, I mean as they get healthy. So that was one of the clubs I actually wanted to stop and talk about just briefly because Denver is so banged up right now. Let's get back to Saturday. Clippers beat New Orleans in a tight one, the early game. Derek Favors, who apparently is now dealing with a lower back thing that I hadn't even heard about after the ball game happened, but it's always something with this dude. Uh, he was fantastic. He had 22-11-3. He's questionable for today's game after only playing in two since coming back. Maybe they should actually keep him to the 27 minutes that they said he was going to play. Like, we don't need him to go 36 minutes. It's not mandatory. I like it, but it seems like his body can't handle it. He's a monster when he's on the basketball court right now. Let's hope that he can actually play through this thing. My guess would be he sits it out, because that's the way this season's gone so far. If that's the case, you could stream Jackson Hayes for a day. He looks really good. His fantasy game is cool. J.J. Redick came back, had 19 points. With no Drew Holiday, he is worth using, as is Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and even Josh Hart. When Drew Holiday comes back, that's going to put a fat dent into all of this stuff. And then Zion is expected back later this week. Forget that. Our guy Yavitsa Zubats had a terrible one. We were watching him. Derek Favors completely eliminated his effectiveness. Montrez Harrell had 24 points in 24 minutes on 11 shots and somehow didn't rebound or do anything else at all. Super weird performance there. Kawhi was great. Lou Williams was great. But he's way overvalued in regular leagues. And then Patrick Beverly, who you guys know is one of my favorites in fantasy because of his off-kilter fantasy stat set. But the thing we were really watching is the Montrez Harrell Evitsa Zubat stuff. And I don't know. I mean, is this now the outlier for Zubats? Is the 16 minutes the one that's different and the low 20s is the norm? I'm inclined to kind of keep watching that situation. It seems like it's moving a little bit. It seems like they want to get Montrez back down into that 25-26 instead of the 28-29. And if Zubats takes those three or four extra minutes, gets him from 17 to 21, something like that, that, that still is relevant. I know this was a horrible game for him. So it's hard for me to try to convince somebody to hold on, and certainly not an ad. No one else is going to take him at this point if they haven't already. But I do think that there's a possibility you get a decent second-slash-third-string center out of this. Always, always. by the way, we're talking 12-team, 9-cat when we're talking about this type of stuff. Milwaukee blew out Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving was human, but pretty good. Jared Allen, he's got a window here with no DeAndre Jordan, expected to be reevaluated later this week. We'll see how that goes. People keep asking me what they're supposed to do with Karis LeVert, like I ever told you to get him. 
Please leave me out of the Karis Levert discussion. Two and a half years I've been talking about how I'm not even the tiniest bit interested in his fantasy game. And still, you guys ask me if you should have him on your team. I don't care. Both of his percentages are terrible. And now he's got all these guys standing in front of him. You know, last year it looked like he had a shot where he was like 1B behind D'Angelo Russell before he before Karis got hurt. By the time he came back, D'Lo had moved way in front and then Dinwiddie had carved out a role for himself. And so he was like 2B or even the third option. And he's clearly the third option on the team now. He's way back of Kyrie and Spencer. So, I mean, I don't, I don't care what you do. His minutes are not that high. His percentages are still terrible. Maybe he gets it figured out at some point, but dude, 9-cat? Nah, man. Turnover's high? Bad. He's, he's literally bad in three of the nine categories. Not, not neutral or meh, but straight up bad. That's not, that's not something I've ever advocated, and I'm not advocating for it now, so please stop asking me. If you don't like him, punt away. I have him nowhere, and I am looking for him nowhere. Dante DiVincenzo, decent again. 11-6, two steals and a block. Super boring, and super should be on your fantasy team. He's number 92 on the season, and yet he's only 16% owned. He's been that much better than Michael Porter Jr., and no one is picking him up. That's the, that's the darndest thing. I know he doesn't score very much. It's not a sexy line. Nine points, four and a half boards, two assists, 1.6 steals. Super high. But here we are. Still good. I get it. It's not. He's not very interesting. I know. Phoenix beat Boston on the road. Uh, Devin Booker was big. Mikhail Bridges getting the start once again for Kelly Oubre was excellent in this ballgame, but Oubre's going to take those minutes back. So let's not get too excited. I wish they could play Ubre or Bridges at the four, so we wouldn't have to see any of this Dario Sharch stuff, but I don't think they're going to pull that. DeAndre Aiden had another good one, 26 and 15 with a couple of blocks. Didn't shoot the ball well, but was extremely aggressive. Please get closer to the rim, DeAndre. We don't, we don't need all these little baby jumpers. Go beat somebody up a little bit more. But still, all signs good. Uh, Aaron Baines dealing with the hip thing, so that really opens the door at this point. And then for Boston, Marcus Smart had the weirdest line of the night. 37 points on 11 threes. He's been crushing it lately. Jason Tatum had a big ball game. Gordon Hayward had a pretty good line. Daniel Tice has been vastly outplaying Ennis Cantor. I can't help but wonder if maybe there's a health thing that tipped here where Tice was... Maybe he's been playing beat up for a while, and that gave Cantor this big window to climb through. Tice is not particularly heavily owned at this point. He's number 117 on the year and 92 over the last month, 64 over the last half month. He's been great. And there, there might be a changing of the guard happening in Boston, although at the same time, all these games where he's been chewing up the extra minutes, they've been losing. Boston's in a little bit of a skid right now. They had a three-game losing streak, one, two, and now they've lost another three. Two and six, the last eight ball games. Kemba Walker dealing with a sore knee. Didn't I say this was going to happen in the off? So here's the thing I was talking about Boston in the offseason, and I was actually really high on them, and I still am. I thought this was going to be a team that played over their heads because of the we're out from under Kyrie Irving thing that they wanted to prove to everyone that they were more than they were. But they also went back to what we saw two seasons back, which is the Brad Stevens play so hard you get hurt mentality. 
It's the Marcus Smart mentality, who's now kind of the emotional leader of the team. Guys are just playing themselves into injuries. So hopefully they can bounce out of this. I mean, this is the dog day, so those types of things happen. But right now, Daniel Tice, his minutes are trending up in a big, big way. Blocks, steals, rebounds, field goal percent, all of that stuff is coming up nice. He's not even shooting the free throw all that well, which could actually maybe get a tiny bit better. He belongs on fantasy teams. He's frightfully under-owned in fantasy. Another guy that's not barely owned at all, who's playing way better overall in the season than a guy like a Porter Jr. I mean, Buzz is just way too strong in this industry. On and off the teams they go. Anyway, I like this dude's game. If he's really starting to get the minutes again, have at it, my man. Not going to score very much. Eight, nine, maybe ten points. If you're lucky. Six, seven rebounds, I think, would be a nice target. Probably won't even get there. Six, I'd probably the target. But if you can get a steal and a block out of them, that's a big deal. Half a three-pointer. It's a team where things hadn't changed all that much lately. So I'm wondering if this is the things are kind of shifting back towards his direction. Detroit blew out Atlanta. Svee Mikhailuk right lately has just been on fire. I am not picking him up because the second you do, he's falling apart at the seams. Derrick Rose playing well. Andre Drummond can't make a free throw lately, but he's playing well as he tries to get himself moved. Seiko Dumbuya, 28 minutes, but didn't do anything with them. And these are those bumps we were talking about with rookies. I still think he needs to be owned because of the high minutes and the big opportunity, but it's not going to be as juicy as it was those first couple of games. It just doesn't work that way. For guys that are non-superstars, they don't just emerge like this after being squatted on and then suddenly go double-double every game. Doesn't work. Meanwhile, Markeith Morris had a 20-point game again in 21 minutes. His minutes, however, not trending up anymore. They've sort of leveled off, which makes me think this is kind of what you're going to get until somebody on this team gets moved. Whether that's Drummond or someone else, this is probably the look... And then if Reggie Jackson comes back, you probably see less Derrick Rose. You know, the funny thing is, we make fun of Reggie Jackson a lot. Detroit has played historically a lot better when he's healthy and in their lineup. Look it up. It's crazy. Jeff Teague, first game with the Hawks, 15-7. and seven. That's way better than I expected. I admit, I thought he was cooked in a 16-20 to 20 minute backup role. But maybe they are inclined to play he and Trey Young at the same time. to play Trey and Teague, which feels like a backcourt that's just going to get rolled over. But if Teague is going off ball a little bit more, or maybe Trey's going off ball, just to give him a little bit of a breather, you might see some, well, there's going to be some getting used to, but you might see enough here actually to keep Teague friendly. And he's going to have a more of a green light with this team because in Minnesota, it was like, yeah, yeah, all right, go on, old man, do whatever. I think there might be a little bit of an invigoration here. I... I had written him off. You guys heard me say it on the podcast. I'm willing to take an L on that initial assessment. I think he might play a little bit. And unfortunately, the minutes he took in this ballgame, some of them belonged to Kevin Herter, who was just all kinds of out of whack. I'm not super worried about that. Herter's been one of their big guys lately. DeAndre Hunter just outplayed him. And Cam Reddish, for some reason, saw a few extra minutes in this one. There will be an adjustment period. But you might see a team where it's Trey... Herter, Collins, and maybe even Teague with a, with fantasy value. He could get there. 
as a point guard who shoots free throw well, can get you some assists pretty quick. Historically, that's something he's a plus at. Am I adding him in a bunch of places? Nah, I mean, kind of watching, see if this happens again, if they're really gunning for 25 minutes with him. If they are, I think I might throw him on a team. He could be fantasy relevant in 25 minutes. He doesn't need 32. And frankly, I don't know if his body could handle 32. Here I am saying I was going to get through this stuff quickly. Phoenix at New York, just barely hanging on for the road win. Philly really does suck on the road. They are not good away from home. But they did barely squeeze through. Marcus Morris had 20. He looks healthy again. Alfred Payton actually had 10-7-7. And as much as I hate his fantasy game, I have to tip a cap when he's been slightly better. And he was okay in this one with a bad percentage, as per usual. Mitchell Robinson got his three blocks. You're okay with the other stuff. And Julius Randle went Julius Randle on this one. I mean, 90-87, there aren't going to be very many good fantasy lines. We didn't see anything interesting in this game. That's the real point. Chicago, big comeback win over Cleveland. They were they did not belong in the driver's seat of this ballgame, but they somehow got there. Kevin Love had a good one for Cleveland. He and uh, Tristan Thompson, they're just playing hard until they get moved. Colin Sexton has actually been better lately. Give a little tip of the cap there, too. And Larry Nance played 25 minutes. He's trending up. As a potential stash, and maybe now, maybe he can do enough even sort of pre-trade if there is one where you don't get killed. Let's say nobody gets moved. You can move on. At least you're not taking full zeros at the time being. Although, games cap, he's a tough guy to roll out there. Chicago side, we were watching Luke Cornett, who got only 22 minutes in this game. I was hoping for more. Actually played pretty well at three threes, three rebounds, four assists, did block a shot. I was looking for just a little bit more in the block town. Surprised they ran Lowry Markinen at the five as much as they did. Cristiano Felicio played 14 center minutes. And the hope here is that Cornette can trend up more towards 26, 27. While Daniel Gafford is out, I'm still rolling with him, man. Blocks and threes from your center, that's a pretty sweet deal. Only a few guys do that out there, and they are generally ranked pretty high when they're starting. Chandler Hutchinson's back. Remember, he was starting when he got hurt. Chris Dunn was coming off the bench at that point. We'll see if that flip-flops at any juncture here down the line. Zach Levine had 42 in another big ball game. Toronto, 122 on the road. All right, this is what we were talking about. Let's start with Minnesota, by the way, because Toronto, I think, is the one we're going to talk about more. Andrew Wiggins had a triple-double in this game. Jared Culver, 26 points. Four boards, a steal, a couple of blocks. Robert Covington, fantastic. Cat played only 27 minutes, but he's slowly working himself back into shape. This is sort of what we thought. And then, as I mentioned, I said Shabazz Napier is an assist specialist only. He had a pretty good first ball game post-trade, and then this one, he was the guy that I kind of expected. So It'll average out somewhere in between. He's not a must-add guy. He's a let's-see-how-it-goes type of guy. But... There's a lot of those guys floating around right now, and some of them are going to sort of rise above. I don't have a ton of faith in Shabazz Napier with these. I mean, you're talking about he's behind Rocco, Culver, Wiggins, and Cat. He's the fifth option out of five starters. That's a tough role to hold, especially if Wiggins is doing some point-forward stuff. So I don't know that Shabazz Napier is a must-own guy. On the Toronto side... Freddie Van Fleet is back, and he was great, by the way. His first game back, played 28 minutes at 29 points. And the big fear for me, and I said on, I think it was as early as the Friday show, 
was, does he actually kill two fantasy values when he comes back? Because he's going to chew up 30-some-odd minutes once he's at full strength. And a guy like a Norman Powell, who was starting, or was the first guy off the bench when Van Vliet was out, he's still got his 15 shots in 24 minutes of this ballgame. So do his minutes trend down so hard now that he can't maintain the value? He obviously did in this one. He made most of his shots. He got some steals, but is that going to hold? And then the one I was really worried about is Serge Ibaka, because the last time this team was healthy, he was playing some 20 to 23 power forward center minutes, largely getting squeezed out of that spot by Pascal Siakam and Marc Gasol. Now Gasol had some issues keeping up in this ballgame. He only played 20 minutes, 4 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals. He's a must-start guy to me. He was playing great before he got hurt. And then OG Ananobi only played 24 minutes and did nothing. So is it possible that Freddie Van Vliet coming back actually kills one or more of those guys? Namely, Norman Powell, Serge Ibaka, OG Ananobi. I don't think there's any chance that all three of them survive Van Vliet's return. Right now, it looks like the most likely guys to survive it would be Powell, as most likely, Ibaka, as second most likely, and then Ananobi is the guy that looks like he might be DOA. Keep a very close watch on this. I'd say let's wait until we get a more competitive ball game. This one, Minnesota came back late to make it a little bit less ugly, but Toronto was pretty firmly in control this, of this contest. Let's wait till they play a competitive one. See how the minutes shake out. Does Powell see a couple more in the fourth quarter? I don't think Ibaka plays any more than he did in this game. I think 24 is what he's looking at now. But I bet you Marcus Gasol gets back in for the last five, six, seven minutes. So he's looking at more like high 20s. It's a weird, it's a weird breakdown. Does Ronnie Ollie's Jefferson get 24 minutes going forward? That feels like a high number. Lakers beat Houston on the road. Danny Green had 20. KCP had 20. LeBron had 31. Kuzma had 23. That Lakers team's pretty good. And Anthony Davis wasn't even playing still. Obviously, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, they're great. While AD's out, they combined in this ballgame to soak up the center minutes, 15 points, 18 combined rebounds, two steals, and six blocks between those two guys. And then AD will come back and render them both fairly useless. On the Houston side, P.J. Tucker continues to refuse to do anything, although he did at least take eight shots in this ballgame. That's a good sign. Eric Gordon is terrible. Please don't add him. Ben McLemore, terrible. Please don't add him. Daniel House actually looked better for the first time in a while, but he's not an ad at all these days. And right now it's Westbrook, Capella, and Harden doing all the things and not letting anybody else try. That feels like a bad recipe. I know it works sometimes, but... Harden's been a little bit cool lately. Westbrook's been better, oddly enough. Missing some free throws now. You wonder if that's going to start to be a thing. And then with Tucker, I know that this line was pretty ugly, but if he makes one more three and gets a steal, that's a pretty good P.J. line. He's closer than everybody realizes in this particular ballgame. No real changes, though. I maintain what I was sitting on before. Orlando, losers at Golden State. That's a bad one. Markel Fultz playing well while everybody is hurt. Evan Fournier, he should be playing better. Vooch should be playing better. I mean, they just... They're like a team that wasn't ready to go. Nothing really changing for me on this one. We were watching to see if Wesley Awundu could maybe do something. The answer was more likely no, and indeed no was what the answer came out to be. Fultz, Fournier, Vooch, and then I don't like Aaron Gordon's game. I, I mean, I, 
I'm not going to put him as a must-start guy. He hasn't been since day one this year. And then Terrence Ross, who's still kind of a streamer. For the Warriors, Damian Lee, only nine points in this one, but otherwise actually a decent line. And then we're, the center spot is the goofy one. Eric Pascal, who filled in for Draymond Green, when he's out, he plays better. But forget that for a minute. Willie Cauley-Stein now has started two games in a row. First it was Jokic, now it was Vooch, and it looks like it's a little bit more matchup-based. So Willie Cauley-Stein had 25 minutes to Omari Spellman's 21, and it was even more lopsided in the previous one. They might both be drops, or you might just have them both on your bench and start whichever one actually gets the starting nod on any given night. Just play a warrior. Portland lost at OKC. They uh, were also without C.J. McCollum for this ballgame, so Gary Trent got to do a bunch more. And they pulled off a trade, which I'll talk about in between the reverse chronological lightning round and the look-ahead to MLK day. Damian Lillard is obviously going to have a ton of shots to take, as is Carmelo Anthony going forward. But let's pause on uh, and come back to Portland at the end. That'll be, again, sort of its own little unique bird here. Chris Paul, big one. As I've said before, anytime he gets pushed a little bit, he decides to do some more. Nerland's Noel, welcome back. Yeah, I wish I could have traded for him. I tried. Nobody would bite. Steven Adams actually played, and still Nerland's was great. And OKC okay, so got another win against the bad Portland team. Utah blew out Sacramento. Mike Conley made his return. Played 15 minutes, 3 points, 3 assists, 2 steals. A three-pointer settling back in. I think he'll have a decent role as he gets used to things. And I think Utah's ready for what he's going to do. The question here becomes... By the way, Utah did sign Royce O'Neal to an extension. Not that that matters very much. But the question here is definitely what will become of the Joe Ingles-Mike Conley situation. Ingles stayed in the starting lineup the last time Conley came back for a game. They played together. Ingles as the small forward... Boyan Bogdanovich slid up to play power forward. Royce O'Neal was actually the guy who got bumped out. We'll see how things go this time around. Conley, obviously a guy you definitely need to have on a fantasy team as he works his way back to full strength. Marvin Bagley looked pretty good. Nemanja Bialica, he'll obviously keep rolling until this team, will they ever get healthy? Probably not. And uh, then De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald. Things, more things change, the more they stay the same. in old Sacramento. We need to cover anybody else from Friday. Washington. Washington played on Friday. They didn't go over the weekend. Washington lost Jordan McRae to a turned ankle, although it sounds like he might actually play in their next ball game, which made that situation a lot simpler for us. Troy Brown looked like he was about to get a massive spike in minutes, but if McRae really doesn't miss any time, then you could just go back to what we had before, which was you're starting Bradley Beal. You're sitting on Thomas Bryant until his minutes get up to where they need to be. You're starting Davis Bertans. And in points leagues, at least, you're starting Jordan McRae, although he's definitely not a mandatory nine-cat guy because he's a very high-usage player who has some issues with both percentages. Anybody else go on Friday? They didn't go over the weekend. Memphis! Memphis! They're a nothing story. I mean, they're an awesome fantasy team. We're having a lot of fun covering them. Jaw's been great. Brandon Clark's been great. Valanchunas has been great. D'Anthony Melton has a really neat stat set with four steals in this one. But from a fantasy standpoint, nothing's really changing. You know, Dylan Brooks goes through these heaters, then he'll cool off and it'll get real ugly real fast. Same deal with Jay Crowder. Just a fun team, man. No fantasy notes, but a fun, fun team. And then finally, Dallas, 
who picked up a win over Portland back on Friday. Luka Doncic, great. Sounds like Kristaps Porzingis is due back here any moment now, so Maxi Kleba's run is likely done, and uh, Dwight Powell's been pretty good as well. Tim Hardaway had a big ball game, but we know how that story goes. Here one day, gone another. I don't think I have the patience for it. He's number 154 on the season overall. I know he, he fluctuates, and he's been on a run where he's hit two or more three-pointers in uh, seven consecutive ball games, then he hit five in this last one. So lately, he actually has been pretty good. Last two weeks, I think Hardaway is inside the top 90, but it's limited. You know, it's a limited run with him. It's three-pointers. When he's hot, he'll do it on a percentage that doesn't break you, but then he'll cool off, and it'll be like 30% on high volume for two weeks. That's hard to stomach. All right, we had a trade that went down over the weekend, which is great. I was right in the middle of something. I think it was a cousin's birthday party, and I had to go hide in a bathroom for 10 minutes and make sure everything was going on. I had a good feel for the, and we'll hit with the, we'll go with the big hitters of it. Cause there were some second round picks that changed hands as well. The Sacramento Kings sent Trevor Ariza to the Portland trailblazers effectively for Kent Bazemore. Those are the big names involved in the thing. What does it mean? Well, Bazemore is basically done. Not that he was doing much in Portland, but as a streamer type, he had some appeal. A couple of steals here and there, a couple of blocks, a couple of threes mixed in. I don't know that he's going to see any minutes in Sacramento. It's not clear, especially if Bogdan Bogdanovich is healthy. As that Kings team gets healthy, he just gets put farther and farther down the list. They'll utilize him in some capacity from a fantasy standpoint. Bazemore is done, which is crummy. I have him in a couple of super ultra crazy mega deep leagues. I was kind of surprised that Portland got him and now has shipped him away. But the Blazers picked up Trevor Ariza. What the hell's going on with this madness? Ariza, at this stage of his career, should be playing power forward. But by all accounts, the Blazers picked him up to play small forward. Right? There's salary relief for Portland. They sent out more than they brought back, at least from a this-year standpoint. I think uh, making sure that that all adds up. So maybe there isn't a massive inclination to play Ariza anyway, but I would think that you've now picked him up, and if you're the Blazers, I mean, you can look at this game that just happened on Sunday, or on uh, on Saturday, excuse me, and say, okay, well, what's the, what's the end game here? Are they going to play Gary Trent giant minutes going forward? He did have a 30-burger in that game. Is Anthony Simons going to play 35 minutes? Maybe. Or is it going to be Ariza? Is their front court really going to be Ariza, Mello, and Whiteside? That is a trio that's just going to get roasted. I know Whiteside has actually put up a pretty good season from a fantasy standpoint, but he ain't chasing anybody. Neither is Mello, and neither is Ariza at this juncture of his career. If I have to, and this is all, this is just based on age and fit. If I had to guess, Ariza's going to get an opportunity to play small forward with this team and take the minutes that Kent Bazemore just gave up before they hand it over to a young guy. Again, a Simons or a Trent. But over time, I think the Blazers' front office and coaching staff are going to realize that that doesn't work. And it's going to get moved towards more of a younger operation. But maybe they just ride or die with the old guys. We've seen teams do this before, sort of go down burning with the fire of old veterans on the court. And maybe 
Trevor Reza just gets to play out the rest of the season. He might end up being a big-time producer on a team that ends up giving up a few weeks left in the year. It's hard to know. So what I'm thinking is going to happen here, and there's a, there is a very reasonable chance that I'm completely off base with how this whole thing plays out, but this is the way I'm seeing it as I look towards the future, as I try to look into the crystal ball a little bit. I think Trevor Reese is going to get a perfectly good opportunity to start and play a whole bunch of minutes here, right? Especially right after the trade. They'll drop him in there and say, whatever, let's do this thing. And you're probably looking at Phoenix Ariza, which was half of last season, and he was somewhere in that, like, 10-5 and five range. Now, with him, the upside is always in the steals and three-pointers department. He's not going to shoot the ball very well from the field because it's going to be a lot of three-pointers and frantic drives towards the rim, especially now in his older age where there isn't much in the way of lift. But when he really gets the playing time, he racks up steals like they're going out of style. Always throughout his career, he's been that guy. And yeah, that might number might come down a little bit since he is an older dude now. But I think they're going to give him a shot. If they realize that that thing has completely blown up and they decided to go full tilt Anthony Simons at small forward, then you make the move at that point. I think right now you could pick up a Riza if you have somebody to just kick to the curb. I'm not super excited about it. Look at your team build. Do you want threes, steals, and nothing much else? Maybe like five boards, so not a not a crushingly bad number there, but not great. Fine. There's some spots for that. But am I super excited about it? No. Say, what, well, Dan, you've been talking about Shabazz Napier having limited upside in Minnesota. Who would you rather have between those two guys? Probably Ariza, just because his path is a little bit more clear. They're both the fifth guy in their starting lineup, but one of them has a faster path to fantasy value, and it's the one that can just bomb some threes and get some steals not the one that desperately needs to be the last guy to pass the ball before a teammate makes a shot. That's what Napier's gig is right now. Hey, folks, a reminder to check out Today in Sports Betting. They actually went six days a week this last week through some combination of guilt and I don't know what. They put out a show on Saturday in addition to the normal Monday through Friday. So check that out. Again, the show is called Today in Sports Betting. It's available anywhere podcasts are distributed. It is completely free, and it's HoopBall's gambling podcast. Devin, Josh, Neil, Ira, breaking it down for you on a daily basis. They are not selling anything. This is not a tout pod. These are four guys giving you their thoughts on every game on the NBA card and college basketball and NFL and hockey. Everything that you can bet on, they're going to have thoughts on it. So check it out. Again, it's called Today in Sports Betting. And as you tail those guys and make some coin over the rest of this season, do it with our buddies at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code, the word today. T-O-D-A-Y is your promo code. Get a 50% bonus on your first deposit when you open a new account at mybookie.ag. You know, I always ask you guys to do ratings and reviews, and that's obviously free and takes only 90 seconds. If you guys are doing any betting of any kind, please, I beg of you, open up an account with our guys at MyBookie, and please remember to use that promo code. This is a huge deal for us here at HoopBall. It's kind of our first real, true corporate partner. We were super-duper partners with our guys at Hawaiian Isles. By the way, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, but that was like... 
two businesses that are in the same world fighting for our corner of it. This is like a big time group that said, hey, Hoopball, show us what you're made of. We'll sponsor your betting podcast. Show us what you're made of. So let's get this thing done. Let's get those accounts open. Head to mybookie.ag. Open your account today. And do remember, do not forget to use promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. And that podcast, again, is Today in Sports Betting. Pretty easy to remember. Okay, guys. MLK Day Slate. Ah, geez, we're already at 40 minutes. Come on, Dan, you wanted to be done five minutes ago. All right, we'll try to whip through this pretty quick. Detroit at Washington. First game on the docket. Should be a pretty easy one for you guys to watch because a lot of stuff is going on. Detroit, you're watching Dembouya, you're watching Markeith Morris, you're watching, well, you know, Drummond, assuming every game we watch to make sure he's still there, I suppose. There's a lot to keep track of with the Pistons. I don't expect much to change here on a a night-to-night basis until that big shoe drops, if or when. For Washington, if Jordan McRae is playing, that's a big deal. Troy Brown takes a big hit in that respect. And Thomas Bryant, we're watching his minutes as he comes back from the stress reaction. Do they ramp up? They're ramping him up slowly. And then right now, it seems almost like Bradley Beal and Davis Bertans are the only two guys you can trot out there. Toronto, Atlanta. Same kind of thing. What has Freddie Van Vliet done to those three names we were talking about? And for the Hawks, Jeff Teague. Can he get up into that 24-minute range or more? What is it doing to Kevin Herter? Would love to see a nice big game out of him and just delay everybody's fears. Philly Brooklyn, not watching much in this ballgame. Orlando Charlotte, not watching much in this ballgame either. New Orleans will track Derek Favors' health as he goes, so go the Pelicans. If he's out, I'll probably bet the Grizzlies because the Pels just don't defend anybody when Favors is out. You can stream, as we mentioned, Jackson Hayes and uh, otherwise you're just sort of tracking health on that side. Memphis, not much going from a night-to-night fantasy thing. Knicks will just sort of slowly watch to see what's going on there. Same deal, Cleveland guards have been playing a little bit better, and then Larry Nance has been playing a little bit better, presumably because his knee doesn't hurt anymore. Chicago, watching Luke Cornett, Dad Young, Hutchinson, if he takes any minutes away from any of the guards. Milwaukee, I guess you could put DiVincenzo on the list. Oklahoma City, not much to watch there. Houston, will watch those wings. Sacramento, who cares? Marvin Bagley, I guess. Miami, we got a feel for them. Lakers, it's Anthony Davis's health. Boston, Kemba Walker's health. And then also the Daniel Tice and his Cantor battle. I swear at this point, if Tice completely outplays Cantor, then I'll pick him up at halftime of this ballgame. I might even do it beforehand. Denver, how many people are healthy enough to play? Minnesota, Napier is probably the name to watch there. Culver, to me, is well beyond the must-add territory. San Antonio, Phoenix, not a whole lot to watch there. You know, whether or not Ubre's in, you can... Make your call on other wings. Indiana, would sure love to see Miles Turner have a little bounce back game. Utah will watch Mike Conley's minutes. And then the nightcap that no one's going to care about, Golden State at Portland. Who the hell's going to start at center for the Warriors? Which of the guys is it going to be? And does Trevor Reza play his first game for the Blazers? The funny thing is, it's a horribly ugly basketball game coming up out of the Moda Center, and I'm probably going to be watching every second of it to see who's playing. We don't have all the betting lines for those games, nor have I broken them down at this juncture. So that's why you got to check out today in sports betting to get those thoughts. And see how fast I got through that? I'll put more thoughts out on Twitter. I mean, I'm going to be watching these games all day, so you guys can just enjoy them with me. Many of you are probably going to be having a normal day of work, but uh, I encourage you to put NBA on uh, 
your computer on League Pass on mute. You can blame me when your boss gets in your business. This is Dan Vespers on Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. Please, please, please check out mybookie.ag with that promo code today. This is a big deal, and I'm going to be harassing you relentlessly throughout the week. Drop a five-star review on the pod if you've been enjoying the product for any small or long length of time. Follow me on Twitter. Hit me up if you want to join us here. You guys know the drill. Massive MLK Day. Let's have some fun today. This is a good one for NBA. Later this week, by the way, we'll talk to Alan Soroki, a little accidental mailbag action, some buy low, sell high stuff with my boy Brandon Marcus, and possibly some other stuff. As yet to be determined. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S is the spelling on that name once more. Have a great Monday, everybody. Try to get this thing in before you the game start at 11. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.